Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Blessers full. You know, they say the sweetest time in the church is right after the Lord's Supper. Because if we all prayed and we all talked to the Lord, we're right with the Lord. And our spirit bears witness, and what a sweet time to be in church. First Kings is, the, is our book this morning, and, and if you're uh, just joining us, this is our third message on 12 principles which support our theme this year, Stay Strong. It's our 65th year, and we have, we have been standing strong, and we want to continue to stay strong, and not only this year, but as we look into the future, Tucson needs a strong lighthouse. And we've got to be that lighthouse with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so I introduced the first two principles over the last two weeks. Principle number one, uh, we looked at the Bible character Daniel, and this was the principle. Someone is taking your picture. And we learned in Daniel, he controlled the controllables. That is, that in life, as a Christian, as a believer, there are two things that I can control. My attitude and my effort. And we learn from Daniel that he even respected non-perfect authority. We know that he served under some wicked kings, but he still respected that authority. But Daniel was not afraid to have his picture taken. When the edict was issued, no more prayer. Only you must bow down and worship the king for 30 days. We know that Daniel continued as he did, understanding that the world may have been watching. And for that crime, he was placed in the den of lions. I'm quite certain, though, that Daniel was glad that he was caught doing right when someone was taking his picture. And friends, someone is watching you. Someone is listening to you. The second principle that we learned is someone needs your encouragement. Now listen, I I am so thankful that many of you listen. I've received texts and letters and, um, and personal uh, conversations about my message last Sunday of you trying to encourage me. Listen, you take that, encourage other people. Someone needs your encouragement. And we looked at the Bible character Barnabas and how that he led by example and he persuasively encouraged those that were around him. And we learned that encouragement is way different than flattery. And encourage, we're to encourage everyone because we do not know who will succeed. And that brings us to our third principle that we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to look at the Bible character Elisha for this morning's principle. And you have your Bibles there. Very quickly, we'll pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, verse number 12. 1 Kings 19 and verse number 12. Let me uh, read the background here and then we'll jump into the message this morning. The Bible says, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? 
And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Here's a, a, a pretty desperate Elijah uh, everyone's gone. He's the only one left in his, in his mind and, and what he believes, and, and he, he is despondent. Where does the Bible say he was? In a cave. He's hiding out. Go ahead and drop down there uh, to verse number 17. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet... I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. In other words, there's still some people. There's still a remnant. There's some people that love the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? May I say your cause is revealed. The things that you hold dear, your commitments the things that, uh, that uh, you are known by in your hobbies and your conversations and, and what drives you. Your commitments reveal your cause. Reminds me uh, of a story uh, that I read that took place in 1519. Captain Hernan Cortez, he set sail to Veracruz, Mexico with a goal to military, uh, militarily conquer this whole region of Mexico. The story is told that after two failed attempts to conquer the area, that Cordes did something very unusual. He burned the ships that uh, were used to bring him and his soldiers to this area. He ordered those ships burned, and the soldiers, uh, uh, as they looked around, they no longer had a goal, they had a commitment. Retreat was no longer an option. And this story is told how victory ensued because those people were committed. Let me say this morning that a goal is something that you hope to accomplish. A goal is something that you hope to accomplish. In fact, we encourage you to establish goals at the beginning of this year. Some of you, three goals, up to uh, maybe even more, uh, 15, 20 goals. I don't know. Many of you established a goal, a goal to memorize Scripture, a goal uh, uh, to lose weight, a goal to be faithful in church, a goal to give to missions, a goal to do better in your, in your workplace. A goal is something that you hope to accomplish. But may I tell you, a commitment implies that you are dedicated to the cause. A commitment implies that you are dedicated to the cause. And many Christians and those who serve in ministry have goals that they hope to accomplish, but few are committed. Fortunately, we have a biblical account of commitment uh, that's found in the account of two men, Elijah and Elisha, here in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, I've already given you the background. Elijah feels desperate. He feels like he's the only one left. He's, he's holed up in this cave, and he is lamenting the fact that, that everything is bad. And it was bad. Uh, but he's instructed that he's not alone. Drop down to verse 19. The story gets great here. 1 Kings 19 and verse 19. So he departed thence, and he found Elisha, the son of Shapheth, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen, he ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto them, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen, 
He slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave until the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. When Elisha committed to following Elijah, notice what he did. He burned his livelihood. He gave his valuable meat to the local people. He had no backup plan uh, in the event that his plans with Elijah fell through. And so let me share with you three keys this morning, very quickly in our time together, three keys how you can be committed to stay strong in this year, 2023. How you can be committed in your relationship with Jesus Christ. How you can be committed here at Tucson Baptist Church. How you can be committed in your family. How you can be committed in your workplace to having a testimony. Folks, we need some people like Elisha who will be committed to a cause. Let me share these with you. Key number one is we must win each day. We must win each day. Uh, Bill Belichick, uh, for those sports fans, you know he's the coach of the New England uh, Patriots. And uh, one of his components uh, that he often refers to is called the Patriot Way. And um, all the players uh, know this to mean that you must do your job. By the way, that is exactly what Elijah was doing when Elisha found him. He was doing his job. The Bible says in verse number 19, So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. Do you know what Elisha was doing? He, Elisha was doing his job whether anyone noticed or not. Elisha was doing his job, whether anyone noticed or not. Elisha was uh, dedicated to what uh, his calling was, his career was at that point. If you will permit me, if I could combine perhaps a basketball illustration with a, uh, with a, a spiritual walk illustration here at Tucson Baptist. Uh, your daily activities determine your long-term success. So if we're going to see a dramatic victory on Easter, if we're going to see a dramatic victory on Christmas, it's going to be the result of us faithfully winning each day, of faithfully practicing each day, of being faithful in executing the, uh, the, the fundamentals and training and preparing. And so this requires us shooting each shot as though it is an Easter or a Christmas shot. And by that, you understand that those are our two major outreaches of the year where we want to impact our community in a tremendous way. And so we can't just be faithful on Easter and Christmas. We've got to be faithful every day leading up to Easter and Christmas. And sometimes uh, um, we are not conditioning ourselves spiritually. And I say if we're going to be committed to the cause, it requires some extreme spiritual conditioning. I think most of us know what the fundamentals in the Christian life are. They're basic. It is Bible reading. It is prayer. It is love and kindness to others. It is telling others about Jesus Christ. But I do wonder, though, how is your commitment? How are you doing at the fundamentals? Are you winning each day? Great teams, great families, great churches, they're not owned. They're rented, and the rent is due every single day. We must be found to be faithful every single day. Win each day. And sometimes we go through the humdrum uh, of life, and it's just the same old, same old, and, um, and we don't put any effort because we're not 
committed every day each one of us we've got to pay the rent by winning that day and spiritually speaking here at Tucson Baptist Church we must practice playing every single day here's key number two not only must we win each day in our commitment but we must be passionate in our purpose we must be passionate in our purpose let me ask you a question was John Mingy passionate when he sang I'm not trying to be funny in any way cute. I'm thankful that he's passionate in his love of singing back to the Lord. And it shows. In 2 Kings chapter 2, in verse 2, verse 4, and verse number 6, Elisha, he has three opportunities to quit and to leave Elijah. And he refuses each time in spite of... Of Elisha saying, "Listen, this may not be for you. Are you sure you want to? Do you sure you want to go through the, the pain, the misery, the sacrifices that are before us?" And he could he could turn back, but Elisha would not be deterred. He was passionate about following this prophet Elijah. Many people confuse the words passionate with emotional. Consider these following definitions. Passionate means this: it's a strong determination or strong beliefs. I have a determination that I must be a witness for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People must know about Jesus Christ. Emotional means having feelings that are easily excited and openly displayed. Uh, and we think in sports, uh, oftentimes folks are, uh, they demonstrate emotion. It's outward emotion. We need more passionate teammates. We need more passionate Christians. When one's emotions go high, frequently their brains go low. We need some people who are passionate and not emotional. That they believe in a cause and they are determined to reach this world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. They're determined to grow in their own faith. They're determined to be discipled and to disciple someone else. They're determined to reproduce themselves. They're determined to have a family that turns out and loves God. We need some determination and less emotion. Anson Dorrance of the University of North Carolina uh, soccer, uh, as a soccer coach is known for saying this, while strategy is an important part of athletics and in life, the person who cares the most has a decided advantage in any endeavor. We need some people who will be committed to the cause and believe in what we have going on here at Tucson Baptist Church. That's the only way we can stay strong. Here's key number three. We need to avoid embarrassing half-committed efforts. We need to avoid embarrassing half-committed efforts. A half-effort has negative consequences. Would you look with me? You have your Bibles open there in First Kings chapter 19. Look at verse number 21. I really find this to be a fascinating verse. The Bible says, and he returned back, that's Elisha, he turned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and he went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Now, Pastor Noah, he loves baseball. Is that correct? He loves baseball. <sighs> I'm sure that there's been an exciting game somewhere. But here's, a, here's a, little, a few things about baseball. 
a base runner who has just had a hit, uh, uh, he has to make a determination when he hits first base, is he going to go to second base? But if he stops in the middle, uh, halfway between first and second base, he is sure to be called out. He's out. It's a wasted hit. He's out. He's got to make a decision that I am committed. There is no embarrassing, half-hearted efforts here. He is full-on speed, full-out effort to get to second base. Do you know a lot of times we as Christians, we have half-hearted, embarrassing efforts when it comes to church, the gospel, our family, We actually have more excitement and passion when it comes to our sports team than it does our family. We, Tucson Baptists, we must either get in, stay strong, or we risk getting out. The other people around Elijah, they must have wondered this. Elijah, what are you thinking? Now, understand in the culture and context, Elijah was a wealthy farmer. How many yoke of oxen did he have? 12. He must have had a massive field. Elijah was a wealthy farmer and he had given away his entire livelihood on a whim in order to follow Elijah. He was in modern term language. He was all in. And I'm sure many in his town uh, felt that he probably should have been a little more cautious about being a Christian. He should be a little more careful about telling other people about Jesus in the workplace. I mean, he, Elisha, certainly, I mean, his friends and his family must have thought, keep a little bit back for yourself, because you just don't know how this thing called serving Jesus or serving God in the Old Testament is going to work out. Elisha made a decision, and there was no room for doubt. May I ask you to pursue God's blessings passionately? Pursue God's blessings passionately. Now, turn over one book to 2 Kings. You've got to see this. In 2 Kings, chapter number 2, I want you to see what happened with Elisha. And I want to ask you a question. Can God still bless you today? We should unanimously say yes. Can God still bless you today? Does God desire to bless you? Yes. Look at this verse, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9. And it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. In other words, I'm about to die. I'm about to pass on the scene. Elisha, just ask me uh, whatever I can do to, to be a help. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. I have to tell you a story. Very quickly. About six years ago, Shelly and I, we were celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. And we had the opportunity to do something that I had refused to in our first 30 years of marriage, and that was to go on a cruise. I had no desire to go on a cruise. I had all of my ideas of what a cruise would be like. Um, uh, There's just nothing but partying. I'm cramped in a ship. Uh, uh, There's nothing to do. And I want my feet on ground every single day. So I had my preconceived notions about a cruise. And Shelly, she was, the only thing she really wanted to do is to be able to go on a cruise because she had heard so many people talk about how great a cruise is and she thought it'd be fun. And so um, so uh, I surprised her and I 
planned for to take her on a cruise, but I had researched it. I had asked people I, who had been on a cruise, and I, I was going to find a cruise where my feet could be on the ground every single day. I was not going to be at sea for three or four or five days at a time with a bunch of drunken people that, that, I, that, I, that I didn't really care about. I, that, that, that was going to be my attitude. I didn't want a dirty buffet, so if, if I, uh, I didn't want to get sick on a cruise. I heard about all these people get sick on cruises, and so that way if every day at least I can find some place to get food and um, and she can have a good time and I can be grumpy in my room on my balcony and and, and it can all work out I, I and but there was this lady in our church she's here this morning she had taken 16 cruises six years ago I don't know how many now she had been on 16 cruises oh you don't have anything to worry about blah 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 and I said okay that's you so we go we fly to Puerto Rico and um, and we get there and and she's so excited and she cries when she sees the cruise ship and she puts two and two together and so we go on this cruise and every day we get to stop uh, uh, out in the, the Eastern Caribbean, but. On our second day on the cruise, uh, there's this really fancy restaurant that, that was on the, on the cruise ship. And, uh, and I, like, I like it when my food is fixed and not sitting all day. I, and I, I'm just not a buffet person. And so, so uh, we went to this restaurant, and our server came, and he gives us a menu, and there's no prices on the menu. Well, that's pretty cool. And me, not Shelly, I said, is this included in the cost of me being on the cruise? In other words, is this going to be, I'm going to be billed for something else. There's no prices here. You're going to, you're going to write everything down. You're going to add it to my, hey, he's, oh, no, it's included. I said, oh, good. Filet mignon, that's great. Well, but look over here. And, and he says, well, you, you, can, you can have two meals if you want. And I looked at him and said, I can have two meals? <laughs> he says, yes, you can have one. And if you're still hungry, you can order a second one. And I said, and, and it's not additional charge? No. He looked at me like I was ignorant. I really was. I had no idea what I was doing. And so, and, and, and I was befuddled by that. He goes, in fact, you could order whatever you want if you want to eat it. And I said, okay, I'll have two. I had two of those chocolate volcanoes with ice cream <laughs> that, that was amazing. And my wife is like this. I mean, so um, I, I had two of them and it didn't charge me any extra. Um, here's the thing. Here is Elisha asking Elijah, uh, how many can I have? And he says, I want two of whatever you have, Elijah. God's blessed you, and I want a double portion of whatever you have. And Elijah says, okay. I've often wondered when I've read 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9, what would have happened if Elisha would have asked for a triple portion? What would have happened? Elisha was a pretty spectacular prophet, but what if he would have asked for something more? Do you know, listen to me, I'm almost done. Don't get nervous. Listen to me. We have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. Elijah says, Elisha, ask anything that you want. And he says, well, I sure would like to have a double portion of whatever you got, Elijah. I mean, God's really blessed you. I'm going to need some help here. I'd like two of those. I was on a cruise ship, and that guy said, you can have whatever you want. Okay. I asked for more, and he brought it, and he wasn't upset. Do you know, here's the thing. We don't ask God for help. We don't passionately pursue. We're, we're embarrassing in our relationship with God. We have not because we ask not. 
This reminds me of times that I've placed limits on God or myself. I've prejudged a counseling session. I've prejudged a meeting that, that I was about to have. And, and um, I'm just so thankful that God has given us these Bible characters that we can learn principles from. Um, what prevents you? What prevents you from being sold out? You can close your Bibles. I'm going to close with an illustration, and then we're done. Normally, I preach longer than this. If you're visiting, you come back another time. We'd love to have you. But with the Lord's Supper and extra music this morning, uh, uh, my message is a little bit shorter. But I want to finish talking about commitment, emotion, passion. It's about four years ago that Pastor Jonathan said that he was going to prepare for a triathlon. And uh, a triathlon, for those who don't know, that's a swim, that's a bicycle ride, and that's a run. Sign me up, right? How many of you want to do that? My hand's not up. All right. So Pastor Jonathan, he signed up for a triathlon. And he was, it was going to be in Oro Valley, and it was going to be three years ago. He started training four years ago. It was going to be three years ago. He and Daniel Taylor, they were talking about Daniel Taylor said he was going to do it too. So we have two guys in our church who were going to do this triathlon uh, 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 three years ago. And so I was excited for him. And, uh, and so I went as dad, and I cheered him on that day. And, and, we, and uh, Janessa and I, we sat in the stands, and Shelly babysat the girls. And, and we, we cheered on Jonathan as, as he was uh, uh, swimming. And, uh, and then he got out, and, and then he did his bike ride. And we waited till he, he did his laps on the bike. And then we got out on the course, and we were cheering him every time he made one of those laps. And, and it was his first triathlon, and he did amazing. Amazing podium finish. Pretty cool, right? Well, uh, while we were there waiting, they had a duathlon. And a duathlon is, uh, eliminates the swimming part. It is a run, bicycle ride, run. I said, I can do that. I'm going to do that next year. And so, um, so I thought about it, and, and uh, so, the, so then we had COVID, and, then, uh, and so then uh, the next year, so I, I, uh, I said, well, I'm going to do that. So I signed up to do a duathlon one year ago. Um, and now, unlike Daniel Taylor, and unlike Jonathan Armstrong, who prepared diligently, what I didn't do is I, I didn't prepare like they did. I did something a little bit different. I said, it's a one, so it's a 1.6 mile followed by a 3.2 uh, mile. I said, I can run 1.6 miles, and I definitely could do the bicycle ride. And then it's only a 5K, I can do that. And I didn't run. I never ran one time training for that duathlon one year ago. But I did do the bicycle part. I, I, I knew that. So I show up that day. And, um, and Pastor Jonathan, he had, uh, he had something going on with his hip and leg, so he wasn't doing that. He said, Dad, I'll go and, and um, I'll take pictures of you because I was going to be this big athlete that day, okay? So you get there, and they have a transition area. Is that what it's called, a transition area, Daniel? And uh, you put your bike and all your gear and everything, and they do something different. You have a bib number and a chip number, and so they write that on your arm and uh, on, the thigh, on your thigh of your leg, and then on the back of your leg, they ask you, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm, I, I was 56. I said, I'm 56. And they write 56 on your back calf muscle. 
And ev- they do that for every single athlete. And there's hundreds of people there. Everyone has their, has their, uh, uh, their, their birth date on their back of their calf muscle. Did I say that correctly, Daniel? All right. So that day, uh, I come, I put my bike, they put my numbers on, and I'm not doing the swimming part, and so we start a little bit earlier than the swimming part, and, um, and so I got my watch, I do the first one, point uh, uh, six miles, and um, I'm in the middle of the pack, I'm just taking it easy, I get to the bicycle part, um, I, I love that part, I did, the, I did the laps on the bicycle part, I got done with the bicycle, and then my legs were dead. I had never experienced trying to run after you ride. Never, I didn't train. I'm being transparent here. I had to do a 5K. And so I'm doing my 5K and I do the first lap and I'm holding my own doing okay, but I'm looking at my watch and I'm, I'm bumping nine minute, 50 uh, second miles. And I know that that really, really will uh, uh, just upset uh, some people here who run six minute miles in our church. But anyway, I was running a Daniel Jager, but uh, uh, I, so I was running this really, I was running this really slow mile and I knew I was only going to get worse. Now I tell you this story because in the second lap, the 1.6 miles, I start looking at calf muscles. 66? (laughs) 61? 66 again? I started getting passed by these women and men who were older than me (laughs) doing the exact same thing, the same duathlon. They had run the first 1.6 miles. I beat them on the bike. I got ahead of them, and now I'm on the second lap of a 5K, and they're passing me. I tell you this story. Embarrassingly, I never prepared. And the results were disastrous. Oh, I finished. Jonathan took my picture to finish line. But it was embarrassing. My effort wasn't what it should have been had I prepared I learned a big lesson a year ago that no matter what you think you might be able to do, you have to prepare. You have to be committed. And commitment takes effort, and it takes work. And at the Christian life, it takes effort, and it takes work. And if you're not doing the fundamentals, you're not going to finish the race. And if you're not committed, it's embarrassing. And if you're not going to give it your all, it's half-hearted. If You want to cry and laugh, that's emotional. If you want to finish, you have to have passionate commitment. Elisha was passionately committed to the cause of being the next prophet, and he was a wealthy farmer who gave up everything to serve God. What have you given up to serve the Lord? What are you willing to give up to serve the Lord? Where is your passion? I'm looking at hundreds and hundreds of people this morning. What if? All of us were passionately committed. What would happen in our town? What would happen in our church? What would happen in our families? I'm asking you to be passionately committed to the cause of Christ so that we as a church can stay strong. The buildings can stay strong. It's the people in the building that needs to stay strong. That's you and that's me. We must stay strong for the cause of Christ.